0: Well, last week we looked at the authority of the Scriptures in the face of a rising tide of anti biblical skeptics in our world today. On what basis, then, can we hold the Bible as the authority in all aspects of our lives in the 21st century? Evangelist and teacher Dr. Sandy Higgins looked at the necessity of the written Word as a mandate for revelation in a world of people whose understanding has been distorted by sin and waywardness. He looked at the meaning and the measure of inspiration as they relate to our confidence in the scriptures. In this week's message, Dr. Higgins continues to examine the concept of biblical inspiration and the manner of God's revelation to us. After all, we would understand nothing about God unless he reveals his mind to us. And this he does through the solid foundation of biblical teaching and the instrumentality of inspired writers. So let's listen as Dr. Sandy Higgins continues with this subject from last week.
1: Sometimes I wonder, do we know what we are speaking of when we speak of the Word of God being inspired? It's not the same as uh, you know a poet who gets inspired to, uh, to write a poem, or a person who's inspired to compose a hymn, or, or a man who is inspired to uh, attempt some great feat. That's um, one way in which the word inspiration is used. But when we speak of inspiration, literally, it's more the idea of something that is breathed out. The word really that is in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It really would be better translated, all scripture is breathed out. It is breathed out by God to us. That's the idea of the word itself. It's God breathing out, God expressing himself. And how exactly was that done and what is the meaning of inspiration? Let me separate three things. Revelation, inspiration, and illumination. There are things that were revealed that were never written down. For example, Paul says, I was caught up into the third heaven and I... Heard things. I often wonder why he didn't say, I saw things. Most of us would think what we would see would be the greatest thing. But he said, I heard things. I can't write them. So he had revelations that he never recorded. So they were never inspired. Not inspired. Then you have a man like Luke. Luke, as he has begun to pen his gospel, he says, I have accurately or diligently sought out information about the Lord Jesus. So that Luke, as a wise historian, went, he went to Mary. Mary, I've got some questions for you. He would interview Mary. He would interview others who knew the Lord Jesus. And he would interview people who were with him because Luke wasn't there. He began to write. Where's your revelation? No revelation. He was gathering information like a wise reporter, a wise historian. And he began to write. So there was writing without revelation. So what then is inspiration? Inspiration is God controlling what men put to paper. The vast majority came as a result of Revelation and men recorded it. So inspiration is actually the actual writing. So that if we had been there when Luke finished, Luke chapter 24, and they were daily in the temple praising and blessing God, and he put his period at the end of the sentence, before the ink was dry on the period... You would be able to say every word that Luke has recorded is inspired. Absolutely perfect. Not a flaw, not a not even so much as a a syllable that wasn't from the heart and mind of God breathed out, and Luke recorded it all. So inspiration was not merely or the idea that God revealed something to men and then they kind of wrote it down as best they could or as best they could remember. It was God actually controlling what men recorded and what men wrote that was then the Word of God. All Scripture is breathed out by God so that we come to the Word of God then and God has given revelation. No question. Things we would never know apart, as we've already said, from God revealing them unto men. The mind of Christ, God has instructed us relative to all of these tremendous truths. So, Revelation, and there is the recording, and then there is the reading of the Word of God. So, again, three things. There is impartation. God imparts truth. The inspiration is when men write it. And the illumination, hopefully, is when you and I read it. The Spirit gives us illumination. He enlightens us as to what the meaning of that particular passage is. So that is how... In a very simple way, the God of such infinite distance has made known to you and to me all his heart. So something then of the meaning of, of inspiration. So that as men recorded the original manuscripts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote their Gospels and John wrote his epistles and Revelation and so on were the absolute clear mind of God. Yes, different men, different personalities, different mentalities, different mindsets. And yet God picked up different men here and there and used their personalities, used their educational levels, used their, their minds, and through them gave us the Word of God today. And all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. The Word of God clearly says that all Scripture is God-breathed. Breathed breathed out by God. It carries with it all of the authority of God for your life and for mine. Carries with it all of the requirements. So, 100%. 100% inspired. What we are looking at as far as the Word of God is concerned either lives together or falls together. It either stands together or it falls apart. Either it is all inspired, and it is relevant to us, or we have nothing at all that we can rely upon. Here is a foundation for confidence. Here is what will furnish you for service in the day in which you live. So, God has spoken to us through His Word. I think when we are in heaven for a million years, God will still be teaching us about Himself through this book. I think this is the whole revelation of God to us. I think it's going to be open to us and suddenly our eyes, why didn't I ever see that before? And that's going to go on for millions of years in eternity. This is the whole revelation, the faith once for all delivered to the saints. The complete unveiling, the complete revelation of the mind of God. It is going to come from this book. God is going to Open treasures to us that we had so blind to upon earth, so preoccupied with other things, so distracted, so lacking in appreciation for it, and yet God is going to verse by verse, reveal wondrous truths of himself and, and beauties and glories of His Son that are all here for us to see that we have never fully appreciated here on Earth. So something then of the meaning of inspiration. So that as men recorded the original manuscripts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote their Gospels and John wrote his epistles and Revelation and so on were the absolute clear mind of God. So we have then the the meaning of inspiration and something of of the manner of inspiration. Yes, different men, different personalities, different mentalities, different mindsets. And yet God picked up different men here and there and used their personalities Use their educational levels, use their their minds, and through them gave us the word of God today. So it did not violate people's personalities, but at the same time it was accurate from God for us today. But what about now the um, the measure of inspiration? Come back to Second Timothy, if you will, for just a minute to show you one thing here in Second Timothy chapter three. Notice what we read together in verse number 14. Now, follow closely, if you will. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from the child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Now, just stop there for a moment. When did Timothy live? When was Timothy growing up as a child that he would know the Holy Scriptures? What Holy Scriptures did Timothy know? Well, I think you can just think. I mean, this is Timothy was growing up before the New Testament was written, so when Paul is writing to Timothy and says that from a child you've known the Holy Scriptures, really it's the Old Testament, the Word really would be the sacred, the temple Scriptures, so it was that Old Testament that was available to Timothy and that he was reading and learning from and being taught from may well be that it carries the idea that as a child uh, he was learning to read and his ABCs, as we would call it, from actually the Word of God, from the Old Testament. So when you're in verse 15, we're looking at the Old Testament, okay? Come back to verse number 14. Continue thou on the things that thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. What's he referring to there? He's referring to what Paul has written to him. He's referring to the instruction Paul has been giving him through his writings and his epistles. So verse 14, we have what we would call the New Testament. Verse 15, we have what we would refer to as the Old Testament. Now look at what verse 16 says. All Scripture. New Testament, Old Testament. All Scripture is given. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, and so on. So what he's saying there is, whether you are looking at the Old Testament or whether you are looking at the New Testament, Paul is saying both together constitute Scripture and all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable the Word of God clearly says that all Scripture is God-breathed. Breathed breathed out by God. It carries with it all of the authority of God for your life and for mine. Carries with it all of the requirements. So, 100%. 100% inspired. What we are looking at as far as the Word of God is concerned either lives together or falls together. It either stands together or it falls apart. Either it is all inspired, and it is relevant to us, or we have nothing at all that we can rely upon if we discard part of this book. So that in 2 Timothy, what Paul is saying is, in a day of apostasy, in a day of when so many are leaving, he says, here is a foundation for confidence. Here is what will furnish you for service in the day in which you live. So God has spoken to us Through his word. And God's word carries with it all of his authority to control your life and to control my life. It carries with it the authority of God. But some would say, has God only spoken to us? Has God only spoken to us in his word? Maybe God has spoken through some other ways as well. So you're going to find people who um, have other forms of, of belief, other systems of belief. And they will claim that somehow what they have also has some validity. Just a couple of things. For example, one of the great thinkers of the world was a man named Confucius. Confucian thinking still has tremendous influence in the way people act and the way people think. But Confucius, who lived at about 551 BC, died at the age of 72. He lamented himself what a failure he was. That he didn't even live by what he preached. That, you know, he gave a lot of nice ideas but he couldn't even live it himself. Really, Confucianism is not a religion. It is how to be moral without God. There's no pretense of a a revelation from God, and yet half, I shouldn't say half the world, probably, what is it, 30% of the world is influenced by Confucian thinking, and yet he doesn't even make a pretense that what he had was a revelation from God, and he confessed himself. He he didn't live anything like what he was teaching other people to live like. What about Buddhism? Buddhism with all of its professed value and all of its professed effect upon so large a a population in the world, sat under a tree and claimed to get a revelation. You know, it's comprised of of three things. You know, the uh, three baskets with three main divisions of the canon. And the whole purpose of Buddhism is for men to be liberated from unhappiness and arrive at nirvana and uh, eventually become absolutely nothing, just to be absorbed into the great cosmos and no longer any self-existence, happiness or unhappiness. You just cease to be when you reach nirvana. Tremendous, isn't it? Great. Wonderful. And then you've got Hinduism that you, we could talk about. You know, the Veda was revealed by Brahma. He was born in a golden egg and lived in it for a year, then divided into two and made earth and heaven. You know, I mean, inherent contradictions and all that go with it. The Word of God, the Bible we hold in our hands carries with it the stamp of God's authority. If nothing else, there was a man that moved here once that lived on our earth. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. Now you read that quickly. I read it quickly. We kind of go on to the next verse. But I want you to think of what he said. Because there's no other human being that has ever lived that could ever make a claim like that. That what I am now saying will continue to be authoritative after the world has passed away. So now what do you do with that? Here's what he said. He said, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it again. He quoted from the first five books of Moses. He quoted from the Psalms. He quoted from the great prophets. He quoted from the minor prophets. He quoted all of that. He quoted it as authoritative. He quoted it as what controlled his life, what controlled his movements, and what should have controlled men in all of their movements. And he said, I'm going to prove that what I have said is right. Destroy this body. Three days. Not that God would raise it. In three days, I will. raise it." The Lord Jesus showed his power over death five times. He had power over death five times. Each time, something increasing. There was, of course... The little maid who had just died. Then there the, the, the young man who had died and probably earlier that day was being now carried out to be buried. Then there was Lazarus three days in the grave. Then there was the Lord Jesus on the cross who dismissed his spirit. But the greatest was left for last. That in death, in death, he had power over death and raised himself out of death. It's incredible, isn't it? Not just that he alive could raise a dead person, but in death, had power over death, and raised himself from the dead. He says, I'm going to prove that what I have said carries the authority of God. Here is the proof. Everything I have said is true, and I will put my words to the greatest test. I will fulfill them when you have done your very worst to me, when you have placed me into death and put me in a tomb. I will ratify verify, authenticate, vindicate everything I have said by raising myself out of that tomb. Out of death, bringing himself forth into life. So the Lord Jesus in the end becomes the greatest confirmation. If you had been alive during the life of the Lord Jesus and had stood outside the tomb knowing he was still buried there, you would have said everything he said hinges on Can he come forth from that tomb? His resurrection vindicates everything he said. He is authoritative. He is authoritative. And so we come back to this book we hold in our hands and bring ourselves back to the same questions we were asking. Does this book have a right? Does God have a right to tell you what's right and what's wrong? Does God have a right to tell you how you ought to live and what you ought to do and how you ought to manage your family and how you should treat your wife and how you should treat your husband and how you should act at work? Does God have a right to do that? Now, if we're honest, most of us would say, well, maybe 90%, but I still want 10% to do my own thing. I still want a little bit of wiggle room to be able to uh, you know, just kind of Ask for an exemption about that and just to do my own thing there. Listen, God's Word is authoritative. God's Word carries with it all of the authority of God. Where did God get His authority? There is nothing beyond God. There is nothing above God. God's authority is not derived. God's authority is inherent because of who He is. The I Am. The ultimate, eternal, self-existing, inherently, Almighty God. And yet, the tremendous thing is this. With all of that authority and with all of that power vested in Him, He does not use His power to enforce His authority. He uses His grace. He uses grace. God never manipulates by guilt. He motivates by grace. He motivates us by grace. He wants us to obey Him. He wants us to bow to His authority. He wants us to gladly carry out His Word, recognizing His authority, but recognizing that authority is blended with wisdom, experience, knowledge, skill, foresight, love. And what He wants from me is the very best. And that authority then, that is in His Word, that would guide me in different areas of my life, He would seek to motivate me by grace.
0: Yes my friend the ultimate authority and power standing behind the word of God is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. His claims and prophecies were backed up by his tremendous power over death. And yes, the resurrection of Christ gives the iron clad stamp of approval by God himself that the words he spoke and the scriptures he referred to were indisputably authoritative. Yes God is the ultimate authority in the universe and yet amazingly He has delivered his truth to us not by force, but by grace. It is up to us to respond to his gracious promises and invitations of love. What a wonderful God we have. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.